Well, today um, I want us to talk about what it is to model the cross. Modeling the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to share it with you in a, a bit of a unique perspective. Um, we talked last week as we took a look at the idea of Mary conceiving Christ, that there is a difference uh, between a concept and between conception. But out of conception, we find the root word concept. So there has to be an understandable idea that then begins to take root and comes alive within us. God awakens things within us to transform the world around us. Conception comes from the root word concept. And so what we want to do is understand the concepts of the kingdom of God and the way God wants to seed those within us to awaken something within us that actually then has the power to transform the world around us. This is not about us. I said this statement last week and everybody kind of jumped on it. It was funny. It's a great statement, but it was, you all made it greater than I realized. Um, we're not trying to make you church-like. We're trying to make you Christ-like. We're trying to awaken an understanding that the concept of Christ, the Word made flesh, manifest and the word in conception, then born, birth, model, that is the idea that God wants to take his word into a deeper place in all of our lives. That's why we're so devoted just to trying to get people to get into the word. Luke chapter 1 verse 31 is the king pen Christmas verse uh, during this time of year speaking to Mary. You will conceive, there's that word born from concept, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. This is, this is the problem <clears throat> uh, for us in circles of uh, the Western world church. And we love the church. I just have to reiterate that sometimes. We're dismantling a lot of things about the church. But we're not deconstructing the church. There's a difference. We want to decentralize. We want to mobilize. We want to inspire and empower uh, there's something about this hour of the church where um, I, I'm referencing the kinesthetic learning bride. The church is to be a kinesthetic learner. Hearing is not enough. Seeing is not enough. Doing is a really important part, particularly in this season of mobilizing the body of Christ. That's why whenever we start having candles for you to light during worship, it's just like, man, people are ready to get involved, move their hands and get engaged. Because you were born for more than just hearing sermons, sitting in seats and going to work and bringing your tithes so we can give you more sermons so you can sit in your seat so you can go to work and bring your tithe. You were born to be the church. There's nothing anybody could preach from this platform that you don't fully embody. We only go to church so we can go be church. Everywhere we go, we bring God's presence to real life. That's who we are. And that's definitely uh, what we do. Nobody claps alone in this church, by the way. Come on, we just say that in Jesus' name. We receive it. <clears throat> So we can hear concepts without ever doing what it takes to actually conceive those ideas in the heart, and it takes time. Time in the Word, time in prayer, time in God's presence. Not just checking the box, getting a gun, get on, got my religious thing out of the way. Um, you know, religion basically requires expression but doesn't really provide experience, but God's not like that. He wants us to experience Him explore him grow deeper in him and automatically naturally out of that experience becomes this beautiful authentic expression and the, uh, listen the world is hungry for that kind of authenticity 
Talking points are not enough. We've been hitting that. Talking points are not enough. There's something more God wants to do in this hour of the church, and, and we're going to learn to walk this out. So God's awakening things within us. Um, the concept of prayer is not the same as conception of prayer and intercession. Like, when I say, are you hearing what I'm saying, I'm, I'm asking with your spiritual ears. You have spiritual ears. You have ears here, Jesus said. Are you hearing this? Are you getting, are you digesting what the Lord's desiring for us to embrace in this? Because you're going to have to take some time with it. You are going to have to take some time with it. And... Um, Time means I'm going to have to calm down. It means I'm going to have to put my phone in time out. I want to encourage you to put your phone in time out sometimes. Uh, you're kind of putting yourself in time out when you do that. But uh, just, again, shut off those sources of influence. I, I'm researching this a lot. We're going to go into a deep dive study. Um, I, th I think I'm sure enough about this to go ahead and announce it. But, you know, we'll come into 40 days in the 2024, and out of the 40 days, we are going to do a church-wide Bible study in the book of Psalms. And um, that's like 150 chapters. So I'm still not exactly sure how we're going to do that, but we're going to learn together in that process. Uh, but in the book of Psalms, what we see, uh, A.T. actually said this week, whenever I'm walking through anything in my life, I just read the book of Psalms until I find language that describes what it is I'm going through, because it's in there. The book of Psalms is this struggle, this tension, this, these two systems at odds with each other, constantly trying to get my attention and pull me away from the things of God, yet... As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you. Better is one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I mean, you see this tension and this battle constantly throughout the book of Psalms. And, and you and I need to learn that Psalms 84 declaration that I was just making, Psalms 42 declaration, where we're actually purposing time. And, you know, call it what you want, Sabbath solitude. We're going to explore it all, and the Lord's going to help us understand it. But finding that space, that quiet space. One of the things I'm studying right now as I'm kind of preparing for all this is um, we just don't do quiet very well. Would you agree with that? Even when you're alone, you're not alone. <laughs> like there are always these sources of something making you think about something and you're, you're, you're not turning it off and you're not designed for this. Do you know why Chick-fil-A does so well? in just six days of service as opposed to their competitors of seven because they base that on a biblical principle. How many of you believe that if you'll honor the Lord, you'll do more with less because he is God? That's just the way it works. The land, the Bible talks about the land that um, is supposed to have rest. A Sabbath of the land. You know why that is the case? Because if you're just always pulling nutrients out of the land to produce fruit that you go and eat, then you're never replenishing the nutrients into the land. You and I are made from dirt. Do you know that? We came from dirt, and the same concept applies in humanity that applies in that realm. You've got to replenish the nutrients. You can't just always give out. And what's happening is hypertension and stress and anxiety is at an all-time high in society. And, and when I read this, it blew me away. But, but I just realized that a study found that prescriptions for anxiety medication rise 28% in every neighborhood with a 10 decibel increase in neighborhood noise. 
I don't know, process all that. But the bottom line is you and I were not built and designed by God to live in a constant state of chaos that the world is filled with around us. Sometimes you've just got to shut it off. Replenish. And in doing so, you're not just going to war with the noise and the busy of the world around you, but you're going to war with the noise and the busy that exists within you. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Lord, the culture around us has told us how to think, told us how to live, told us how to spend, told us how to work, told us how to view sexuality, told us everything we ever might need to know. The world has some fabricated conclusion that becomes a substitute for the truth. And I pray in this season of the church, you would just help us understand you are here to help straighten this out. If we will but take some time in your presence and allow you to have your way, you begin to awaken some of the things that have been concepts alone within us that will actually begin to take conception within our lives and be rooted so deeply within us. It will release the power to transform the world around us in Jesus mighty name amen <clears throat> we don't take our spiritual life seriously if we don't set a time uh, set aside time for conversation with the Lord it's just a reality check it's not a judgment it's not a condemnation but if you're not taking time if you're not purposing time what you do is debatable you know, we're constantly talking about turn the page. It's great. If you've not done turn the page, I am asking you. 2024, give this a try. Get an old-fashioned Bible. I'm going to share something with you today that's astonishing. The thing that I uh, encountered in the Lord was out of this. But just get an old-fashioned Bible. You can get them in the lobby. Tracy's got um, those, those Bibles are for sale for less than we pay for them just because we want to get the Word of God in your hand. Um, but, but get an old-fashioned Bible. Start in the book of Genesis. Write the date. Maybe a little prayer. Lord, awaken my heart today. Can you imagine your great, 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 great grandchildren one day praying the prayers you prayed, reading through every day, writing the date at the top of the page, and then just turn the page? It's a beautiful expression that becomes an heirloom that I want to leave for children's children, my children's children, beyond my life. What you do, though, is, is really, it, it can be different expressions. What's important is that you have a place and you have a time, and you have set that place, you've set that time. And if you don't have a place, and you don't have a time, and you're not having regular, routine, faithful, consistent conversations with God, then you're not taking your spiritual life seriously. And you need to really consider this, because God is calling us to arrange our lives around His presence. God is calling us to arrange our lives around His presence. And in doing so, we actually become the expression of Christ to our world. No, what I just said is incredibly significant, and I'm going to help you understand that from a whole different arena. 
but we're called to model the uh, sacrificial nature of Christ. And here's the encounter I had today. So I started this Bible in September the 4th. And um, I, I wasn't paying attention to where I was reading or what I'm speaking about. My, for me, sermon prep has nothing to do with personally seeking God. Um, I think it's a mistake when any pastor starts letting sermon prep be their pursuit of God. That's, there's got to be two different worlds. And so I don't really pay much attention to that overlap until I see it as clearly as I did today. Uh, it's interesting. God's doing something right now. As we recently did a study in the book of Nehemiah, do you remember that we came upon Sukkot the very week that it was being revealed in that chapter in Nehemiah was the very time that was actually taking place. Do you remember that? It was just like fascinating. It was like, whoa, that wasn't planned. I mean, we, we decided to do all this not realizing we were going to land into that. A few weeks ago, I shared with you that when we started lighting the candle, then the next morning I'm reading him. I turn the page in the book of um, Numbers, uh, Leviticus, and, and actually uh, it, it's about the Sabbath. I mean, the next morning, it's like, this is crazy. This morning, I sit down, I start reading, and I realize as I turn the page, this is my turn page Bible, I don't usually preach out of it, but I realize as I turn the page, I started in Numbers chapter 2, the text I'm about to read to you was here today. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not thinking this way. I'm not planning that. I, I, wasn't even, I wasn't even in the realm of thinking about sermons were similar to where I'm reading. And it's the very text that we're about to talk about. And I believe that this is really important for us to understand. And the Lord's just trying to make a little bit of a point. Will you pay attention to what God's desiring to reveal about how we should begin to arrange our lives to center around his presence and in doing so, we begin to model the cross of Jesus Christ in a profoundly significant way to the world around us. So turn with me to Numbers chapter 2. Numbers chapter 2. I want to show you something really, really cool. Out of a book that many people would say, you know, Numbers is just one of those boring books of Numbers for all kinds of numbering different things and you know just not much there not true numbers 2 1 and 2 the people of Israel shall camp each by his own standard with the banners of their fathers houses they shall camp facing the tent of meeting on every side they shall camp they shall set up their household they shall arrange their families. They shall pitch their tents. They shall position their doorways facing the tent of meeting. God is asking for every house, every camp, every family. I'm calling every person under the sound of my voice today to answer the call from God to arrange our homes as we see in Numbers chapter 2 toward this encounter with God. The tent of meeting was where the presence of God was on the planet. All, all attention and focus is to be arranged in such a way that we are focused toward the presence of God. God is revealing that our lives should always face an encounter with him your life should always face an encounter with God everything in our lives should be arranged toward experiencing God 
everything in your life should be arranged toward experiencing God. And when you experience Him well, you express Him effectively, very automatically, very naturally, because you've been in His presence. Now, in this, we begin to discover the cross of Christ. And and I'm going to read what, again, it's a lot of verses. If if we go through, I want to talk about Numbers 2, verses 3 through 34. (laughs) Like, this is a lot of verses with a lot of numbers. And this could be arguably one of the most boring rhetorical portions of Scripture. Is it possible that God, who is a God who, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, is it possible God, who's that kind of a God, chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, would choose the marginal portions of Scripture to reveal some of the greatest revelation that we tend to overlook because we just race past it as if it really doesn't matter when it actually is revealing something profoundly significant. And maybe he actually is doing this to help us understand when we feel overlooked and marginalized, maybe we can begin to identify with the fact God uses overlooked, marginalized portions of Scripture to awaken something within us because he wants to use you for powerful things. Stop overlooking and stop marginalizing, stop disqualifying, rise up and be everything God's called you to be. So let's read these really boring verses and see if there's something in here for us because they're far from boring. Verse 3, on the east toward the sunrise, The divisions of the camp of Judah are to encamp under their standard. The leader of the people of Judah is Nashon, son of Amenadab. His division numbers 74,600. Can I get an amen? We haven't really gotten to anything yet, have we? Like, what does that mean? But thank you for the amen. Verse 5, the tribe of Issachar will camp next to them, numbering 54,400. I'm starting to summarize and capsulize. Verse 7, the tribe of Zebulun will be next, numbering 57,400. According to divisions, they will number 186,400 people. This is all on one side of the tent of meeting, one side of the presence of God, one side of where the presence would be manifest in the earth, 186,400 people. If you watch what I'm doing with my hand, you'll start to see it. 186,000. Here's the presence, 186,000. If you read on, what you're going to find is then it will describe Reuben, Simeon, and Gad, and they are on this side, 150, 186,000, 150,000. And then you've got Asher, Naphtali, and Dan, 157,600. Are you seeing what's happening here? 150, 150, 180, and then up here, Above, we've got Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, 108,000. The cross of Jesus Christ was revealed in the gathering of the people when they would gather around the presence of the Lord. And this is what that looks like from an aerial view, from God's point of view. But do you understand how important this is? This was a prophetic declaration that one day the Messiah would come out of simply arranging their lives around the presence of God to have an encounter with God in obedience of formation, they actually were modeling the cross of Jesus Christ. 
putting God's word into practice, by arranging our lives around his presence, becomes an expression of the cross of Jesus Christ to our world. It's a beautiful reality, wouldn't you agree? So is your life being arranged toward an encounter with God in the way you live your life? Another way to ask the question is, do you live in light of eternity? Does the scope of eternity help facilitate the decisions that you make? I mean, it's, it's funny, we start talking about this, because I'm talking about, you know, the, the cliche phrases that sometimes help us get it a little bit, but our time, our talent, and our treasure, right? From a scope of eternity, our time, how am I investing my time, my talent, how am I giving my gifted life, like God gave me the gifts that I have, God actually gave me a gift of communication. When I was a child, I had a gift of communication. I didn't know how to use it right, and I used it way wrong for a long time, but when I came to know the Lord, I suddenly then started using the expression of my gift for the advancement of God's kingdom. Whether that's in your business or whatever it is that you do, you have a gifted life. And so arranging your life in light of eternity to see God's kingdom advance, that is God's plan for who you are. And that looks different in every expression. If you're a plumber, then go plumb in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you walk into a house, you're carrying the presence of God. You're not only going to fix their leak, you're going to release God's kingdom in the space of their home. I mean, you understand, this is what we're supposed to do. This is the way we're supposed to live. I'm not saying go and wrestle people down with your religious ideology. The Bible doesn't say we'll be known by our hardline conclusions about all the stuff we've decided is right. The Bible says you'll be known by your love. <laughs> so take your time, your talent, and your treasure. Oh, you're going to have to go there, aren't we? Every time you increase, then you say, my gifted life from God has given me the ability to increase financially, and my worship to God, giving has always been a part of God's plan for worship. Before the law, tithe was taking place. During the law, it was reiterated. Jesus emphasized it after the law. And Paul gives a writing to the Corinthian church saying the same exact thing in keeping uh, with the sum of your income. It's a proportion idea. Giving's always been a part of worship. And, and this is the thing. I mean, like people will say, Pastor, are you saying every time I make money and have increase, you want me to bring a tithe of that increase into the storehouse to see God's kingdom expand as a result? Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> because yes, that's what the Bible says. And we want to see the kingdom of God expand in wonderful ways. And we want to leave this house in a state of greater influence to the nature of Christ for generations beyond us. All of us in the room will one day stop breathing. And part of the legacy of our lives and the heritage of our faith is handing the baton off well to a generation that will awaken a generation that will awaken a generation to the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. His faithfulness will endure forever. And in our obedience, Christ is revealed. 
in our obedience, the cross of Christ. Let's look at it one more time. When we simply respond in obedience to the Lord, the cross of Christ is revealed to our world. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. That doesn't give you an out. I'm not finished. We're going to partner together on something. I'm having a blast in this season of the church. I mean, it's just so refreshing. Like to have the sense that we're not showing up to listen to a speaker. We're showing up to encounter the Savior. Like we want, it, we want more. Uh, I, I realized I'm going to be having a, a meeting with a group of pastors this week. And I felt this morning in prayer, the Lord was just saying to me, because this morning I showed up thinking, I didn't show up eager to preach a sermon. I showed up hungry to encounter God. And, and I realized that's going to be my challenge in my conversation with these leaders this week. It's, man, let's just stop preparing sermons like as if preparing the sermon is what it's about. The sermon actually should prepare us. We should prepare it. But then we have to take time to experience what God's revealing and not just sharing information. A message prepared in the head will reach the head, but a message awakened in the heart begins to transform the heart. I want to encounter God. How about you? I want to know him. I want, I want us to gather this way uh, that we might encounter him and, and be inspired to go and let this be our everyday lifestyle in the way we live. Everywhere we go, we bring God's presence to real life. So I want us just to take a moment to bring ourselves into a more fully devoted awareness of God's presence. What does that mean? Take a moment and just bring yourself into a more fully devoted awareness of God's presence. Our our theme, our New Year's Revelation 2024 is awake and engaged. And I'm challenging everybody to understand what it is to be spiritually awake and truly engaged. Because faith without works is dead. Concept without conception doesn't produce anything. So just taking a moment, let's bring ourselves into a more fully devoted awareness of God's presence. I'm just going to leave you in a place of just quiet for a moment so just relax just let the let, let the let the tension go in your shoulders just let your shoulders drop take a breath breathe in through your nose out through your mouth just clear the airway just rest for a moment coming into a more fully devoted awareness of the presence of God
the beauty of this moment <clears throat> is encountering him with the understanding like you can do this how many of you know you can do this find your favorite song wake up tomorrow morning get up just a little extra early light a candle turn on the music and just be in his presence encountering God exploring saying Lord would you help me to learn how to do this more effectively I mean there's some amazing things that begin to happen when we walk in that I I, I, I heard something uh, this morning and I just appreciated uh, hearing the story of this I told Gabe you can't see Gabe he's behind the lights in the in the drum cage back there but somebody shared with me uh, their father is a professional drummer and uh, all of his life played drums and he said to his daughter as he was up in years he said I want to go hear a drummer this has been years ago here at this church we were in the other building actually and um, his daughter brought him to church so he could hear a drummer and Gabriel was playing the drums and the father experienced the dad experienced the presence of God in that moment tears streaming down his face that morning gave his life to Christ it was amazing what is sobering is seven days later he passed away you have no idea how your gift is impacting the atmosphere of a room you have no idea how your gift right now is impacting the atmosphere of a room, the atmosphere of a community, the atmosphere of a city. You have no idea how your gift this week is going to impact every house or every business or every neighborhood, every hospital, every restaurant, every store that you walk into. Will you rise up and be who God's called you to be? You are not a consumer who loves listening to a minister. You are a minister who's learning to listen to God. That's who you are. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's give Jesus a standing ovation. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. We will lift up the name of Jesus. We will take every gift that you have placed within us, and we will lay it at your feet because you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy, oh God. I'm going to ask if our prayer team would just go ahead and make their way up. Because we understand the church is tired of sitting in her seat. The church is ready to be involved. And we're looking for ways to get the church actively involved in an expression of that which God is doing in your heart and your life. Part of that is 
We're going to conclude on Sundays just like this. We're going to go back into just a few moments of worship. We're not going to stay for a long time. I feel like I'm starting to get more and more convicted about apologizing for any length of time. We might keep you in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of the universe who created us all. I mean, I'm getting more and more convicted about that. People are tired of fast food church. (laughs) And so what I want us to do is just, would you just take anything God's awakening in your heart and let's give it back to him in this place of worship just for these few moments. And if you're here and you say, I don't know that I'm where I need to be in my relationship with Christ, there are two things I think are very important. I don't know that I'm where I need to be in my relationship with Christ. That's, that's key. We've got to help you get that right. Eternity is really an important decision for you to know with confidence that you're in the right place with the Lord your God through the cross of Jesus Christ. And the second thing is, if you say, I, I'm just not where I need to be in my relationship with church. It's easy to slip in, slip out, just not really connect, not go deep, not build relationship. And I would encourage you, If you need to give either of those to the Lord, would you just do that today? It starts with Jesus. We come to the foot of the cross and we acknowledge He came, He lived, He died, but He's risen from the grave. There's only one way to God the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. And He wants to heal you and and forgive you of the sins in your life from being a part of fallen humanity that you might look to a risen King and live a life that actually awakens eternity in the lives of those around you. If you've never done that before, then I would invite you today, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you have done that, why don't you do that now? And let's just give voice to a declaration of the Lordship of Christ today. We just receive today. Lord, we acknowledge you are who you say you are. Come on, do you agree with that? Declare it out loud. Amen. As we press in and we worship, if we can pray with you about either of those two things or anything else, then don't hesitate. Just come quickly, and the prayer teams are available. We want to just press in and intercede and agree. But would you just take everything that's being awakened in your heart right now, let's just give it back to him and invite him to establish something deeper within our own lives as we just take these moments of worship before we're actually dismissed.